Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. You know, coming out of that experience, coupled with what had already been percolating in my mind, where I said, like, is this what I want to leave behind? Is this what I want my legacy to be? It's intercepted, picked up by Alex Molden. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. My guest this week is Becky Morrison. Now, she's been featured in Women's World Magazine, The Authority Magazine, Business Express Magazine, and Thrive Global. Becky is a lawyer turned leadership and happiness coach. And she's the author of the book, The Happiness Recipe. She spent the better part of two decades in the big law firm in financing and managing people and untangling her own happiness. On that journey, she learned happiness is for every day, not just some days. And it's for everyone. She also learned that happiness and challenge are not mutually exclusive. Happiness isn't one size fits all. So you got to own your happiness recipe. And it will change from time to time as you get older. We had a phenomenal uh, conversation, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear and really take in some of the tips that she brings to the table in terms of leadership and finding your happiness and how you can look for that happiness every day in every environment. Have a listen. Becky, how are you? Thank you for, well, first, thank you for being a guest on The Shark Effect. Um, I'm really excited to, you know, to hear your story again and, and for my listeners to get a little bit um, more about you and where you've been and, and 
some some great tools that you have for for my folks. So, uh, Becky, thank you for for being a guest. Well, thank you, Alex. I appreciate you having me here, and the, I appreciate the opportunity to to talk about one of my favorite topics. So, absolutely. Now, now talking about that, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, I mean, so you said it. I'm a lawyer turned happiness coach, which I mean. <laughs> in a headline, you don't get one headline that- like, How uh, does that work? <laughs> yeah, like that begs more questions, right? People are like, wait, what, what? You said what? Um, and so, I mean, my story starts, well, starts when I was born, no, I'm, uh, but really starts from childhood and, and mm-hmm. coming up in a way where I was um, told that success was getting good grades, going to a good school, getting a good job. And by good job, that meant- you know, secure, high paying, prestigious, those would be the categories that would be meaningful in a job. And so found myself graduated from law school, working as a litigator at a large law firm. Um, But for all intents and purposes, having sort of checked the boxes to success, um, and found myself uh, one evening sitting on the floor of my bathroom, um, bathing my preschool age daughter in the tub while simultaneously having a cordless phone to clip to the back of my, my pants and trying to prepare an expert for their upcoming testimony. And so I had papers kind of spread all around me, notebook on the toilet seat cover, like one hand in the bathtub, one hand with the pen, um, and had two thoughts kind of in real quick succession. The first thought was like, man, I am killing it. Like I'm doing it all. Look at this. The next thought was, and I'm exhausted and I'm not really happy. And so Mm. that started an inquiry for me of like, okay, well, just because I can do this, does it mean I have to, and does it mean I should? And if I'm not going to do this, if my life isn't going to look like this, how do I want it to look? And that led me on sort of a series of, of professional twists and turns through law firm administration into the world of finance, um, where I really tried to begin to build a life that had both happiness and success. And what that meant, a big part of what that meant was getting clear on, on in each season of my life, what success was going to mean to me. Mm, I love that. And so it sounded like for the most part, like you were doing what you thought was, you know, you were meant to do. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, man, there was that, that moment that, I mean, you, you painted a beautiful picture, but it was like, man, you weren't so much aligned anymore. Yes. And you asked those, those difficult questions of yourself. And I want to ask you, like, are there any other questions that you asked yourself during that time or when you start to kind of transition? Yeah, I mean, so I like I could tell you that that the transition happened from that one sort of bathtub moment and it didn't. I mean, the reality, right, is it's a process. And that really kicked off a different way of thinking. But it wasn't until I had some really life-threatening health stuff happen. Um, and they say when you're sort of facing, and I don't mean to be too, too dramatic, but they say when you're facing death, right, that life flashes before your eyes. And what flashed before my eyes was conference rooms and conference calls. And I very much had a moment, you know, coming out of that experience, coupled with what had already been percolating in my mind, where I said, like, is this what I want to leave behind? Is this what I want my legacy to be? And I want to be really clear that I'm not taking anything away from people who decide to devote themselves to a life of litigating. Like, I had the good fortune of working with lawyers who were both excellent at their craft and happy doing it. 
And so if it works for you, by all means, but what I did is I looked at my life and said, this isn't it for me. And so what is it for me? What is my top priority right now? What really matters most to me? And let me get focused on that. And you use the word, let me get my life aligned with that. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not just about like in litigation and lawyers and, and whatnot. And I know, you know this, but like even someone who had the, you know, that dream of playing professional football, being a professional athlete, like that dream kind of dissipated. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I was 31 and I was going through that same, or 32, I was going through that same scenario, which you had. Yeah. And I was like, man, is this, man, cause this ain't what it used to be. I, I'm not having fun anymore. I'm, I'm starting to, to look and see when the next check, when the next check is coming instead of yes. me doing this out of the pure joy. Yes. And so I know that, you know, a lot of my listeners are, you know, kind of going through that same scenario. It's like, okay, well, how do I, how do I align my passion with my purpose? Is there any um, nuggets that you have that you can kind of help, help my, uh, my listeners out with, with trying to like figure out like what's their, you know, what's that dream job look like for them? Well, so I'm going to take it from two different angles and, and one, I'm sure, you know, you've, I'm sure you've talked about before, but it's really, um, making sure that you are connected with an understanding of what your passion is, right? How do you align your passion to your purpose? Well, you have to know, you have to have had the conversation with yourself to figure out what am I passionate about and what do I think I'm here to do and how do I marry those two? And so many of us haven't taken the time to connect with ourselves because we get kind of swept along in the life of doing, right? Mm-hmm. We get swept along in the, you know, checking the box, achieving the goal. What's the next level? What's the next rung of the ladder? How do I keep going up and up and up without really even stopping to say, am I climbing the right ladder? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just like a broad global thing. And then on a more micro level, I like to work with my clients to think about how they can identify, I use different words for it. I talk about essential sources of joy or what really makes them tick, right? Mm -hmm. So when you talk about, you know, what football was for you when it was joyful, I'm sure there's a list of reasons why it brought you joy, Mm -hmm. but it's getting down on that micro level and understanding what you loved about football. And then figuring out how to take those same things that you loved, but do them in a new way or do them in a different way. And so finding those common themes, but at a very, very essential level. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. I'm, 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 I'm just you're, you're you know, listening to you. Yeah, yeah. And I'm <laughs> like, man, what, if, what, you know, when I was, um, let's say like those student athletes now, and they don't have that opportunity to kind of go to the next level or they, you know, they're really starting to like, like, man, that's, it's a very small percentage of us that, that make it in, into the next level being a professional athlete. You know what? I'm going to take what I have now, maybe the relationships that I've, you know, started to create, I'm going to use those to kind of help me, you know, yes. figure out what's what I'm going to go pro in next. Yes. Well, and, and it's even like, even smaller than that. And I think we talked about this when we talked, you know, before the show, but mm-hmm. um, I have a daughter who's 17 and she was, a, is a basketball player, but uh, in October of last year, broke her hand. And for the first time in her entire life, didn't have basketball. And so we spent some time talking about what it was that 
basketball brought to her life that was positive. Mm-hmm. And the list was like simple stuff, like connection, an opportunity to be a leader, um, an opportunity to stay physically fit, like no excuse not to be active, you know, and just like those essential things were what she lost when she hurt her hand. And so then we spent some time saying, okay, well, you can't play basketball right now. Um, and for the next, I think it, it ended up being eight months. <laughs> um, how can you incorporate those things? Where can you find a team-like environment? Where can you find opportunities to be a leader in your school community or in your community outside of school? Where else can you find ways to be active? And so that's like a simple, simple example, but it's, but you can do the same thing with your career and with your profession, really boil it down to its simplest stuff and think about how to incorporate those things. Cause you already know you like them. You already know they make you happy and you already know you're good at them. Maybe you just need to be doing them in a different way. Mm, yeah. I love that. I love, you know, you enter into the leadership realm and, and, you know, you're talking about boiling it down. And so I want to ask you like, when you really like, you know, for you, I mean, because leadership is so broad and it's a billion dollar, you know, anytime you mention leadership, you know, the U.S. spends over $160 billion a year on, on it to yes. try to get their employees or their C-suite executives or whatever to get them more dialed in on leadership. So I just want to ask you, like, what is leadership when you boil it down? And then how do you, what, um, kind of foundational principles do you like to apply in your life? Well, we've talked about one of them and, and I guess I'm maybe going to go a little bit out of order, but, but I mean, found, when you talk about find it foundational principles, I think the single most important thing for me, and I think you call it knowing your assignment, but I would say it's what is your, what matters most to you in this season of your life? And that applies on an individual level, that applies at an organizational level, that can apply to team level, that can apply, like you can narrow the focus down and think about it from a leader. As a leader, what is most important to me right now in this season of my leadership? Um, But it's really dialing into that top priority, that sort of like prioritized list of things that will help decision-making be easier. It will help you identify where you need more support, and it will help you figure out how to spend your time, energy, and resources. So that's kind of foundational to me. And the second thing that, that is almost equally important and it's, it's very intimately related is just truly to understand yourself, to know yourself, figure out who you are as a human being and as a leader. What are you good at? What aren't you good at? Where are your strengths? Where do you need more support? And own it. Instead of trying to be somebody that you aren't. And I see this a lot in, so, you know, I I call myself a happiness coach, but I'm trained as an executive coach and I work with a lot of leaders. And what I see, especially as people achieve new levels of leadership, they fall into this trap of believing they need to be a leader who looks like insert other successful leader here. You don't, you need to be the best you as a leader, full stop. But in order to do that, you have to know who you are as a leader. Mm, I love that. Yeah, that's, that's something else is really like looking in the mirror and, you know, asking those tough questions about, man, who, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I did that. It didn't, I mean, it took a, it took a while for me to really understand that and then the gifts that I have and, and then to really take ownership of it. And, uh, you know, I interested, I want to hear, like, did you have any, you know, when you was going through that whole process, like, okay, I've had success in this world. 
you know, with being in the, you know, lawyer, legal, and now I'm going to transition to what I really love and what my passion is. Was it just you by yourself figuring that out? Or did you have a mentor, family, husband, whatever? Did you have anything like that? I had a lot. I, I'm lucky. I had, um, so I'm blessed that I've got super supportive spouse, but also super supportive family. I consider my mom, not only one of, not only my mom, but she is one of my mentors. She herself had a very successful career. So I had her support. And then I also hired a coach because for me, as I transitioned out of what, I mean, so, you know, like I said, I had this winding path. So I was a good lawyer. I was a good litigator. I was on partnership track. I could have been quote unquote successful and stayed in that job for my whole career. It wouldn't have worked because it wasn't the right fit for me. I wasn't happy. Um, but from there, you know, I moved into law firm leadership, also had success. But what I allowed myself to do was sort of as things worked and then stopped working, as you know how life goes, right? Like you said it, like you played football, it was fun. And then it wasn't fun anymore. And that was a signal like, hey, maybe it's time to make a change here. Mm-hmm. You have, for me, I had that happen a number of times during my career. And in each of those, I kind of called on these resources that I had to say, okay, well, what next? The biggest shift though, was coming out of all of that and starting my own coaching business felt like the biggest career leap that I've taken And that was the one that I hired a coach for, um, to really help me. It wasn't so much that I needed help figuring out what I wanted to do, but I wanted to take the opportunity in that transition point to zoom as far out as possible and really examine all the possible paths, not just fall into a what's next mentality, right? Really take a step back and say, okay, what could, what are, What's all the possible paths? And then out of those, let me find the one that's right for me. Mm, got it. And so what do you tell like these, these young people who are just finishing out, you know, with college or, you know, they're went into one world and now they say, okay, I'm going to success for, for them could be, I want to make as much point as much money as possible. And it doesn't really matter as long as it's legal. It doesn't even matter what I do. I want to make as much money as possible. What do you say to those, those uh, people? Um, I would love the opportunity to have a conversation with those people because what I would say to them is I would ask them a lot of questions. And it might well be true that there are some seasons in our life where, in fact, our top priority is making money. And that is neither bad nor good. It might just be a fact, but I think to be sure of that, there's a lot of questions you need to answer first. And that's true for anything, anything you're going to make your top priority. You need to be really be able to explain why, what, and, and to have some certainty or perceived certainty that that top priority is going to bring you the satisfaction that you want. And to me, money, there's a, I was going to say dangerous, but that's such a loaded term, but there is a, there's a risk with money that we, what, that what we're really doing is just buying into all the messages that the world has taught us since birth, that money is the solver of problems. And I think it's really important to look and say, what is the actual problem and will money be the real solution? Mm -hmm. 
So maybe that's the first question I'd ask. Yeah, I think it's uh, just defining it, right? Just really boiling it down in money. I mean, it's a resource. Yes. It's a resource, but people often change their character to get it. Yes. They change who they are. Yes. And, and I yeah, have plenty so of clients. Yeah, no. And I have plenty of clients that I've worked with who, who have flat out reached a point in their life where they say like, I recognize that I'm making probably more money than I can spend in a lifetime. And it is not making me feel any kind of way. And so I need to do something different with my time, with my energy, with my, my, my resources. I need a different path. And then, uh, and then you, you kind of help them just by asking questions with, you know, with no yeah, type I mean, of judgment and just kind of dig a little bit, poke, poke a little bit. I mean, my brand is, is called untangle happiness for a reason, right? I really feel yeah. like the majority of what I do is people come to me with this knot of past patterns, beliefs, thoughts, um, you know, ideas, problems. And we just start pulling the threads until we find find the ones that really help us unravel what's actually going on so that they can see a clearer path forward. But it's never my job to say, this is the path or that is the path. It's only my job to help them see the options and give them the space and support and tools and framework and questions that they need to kind of unpack all of that. I love that. T tell me like, you know, cause I, I, you know, with the shark effect is, you know, how to uncover, you know, things of, uh, you know, the secrets of high achievers. Mm -hmm. And one, one thing that, you know, people who are high achieving, doesn't matter what they do, if it's a parent, if it's a doctor, lawyer, if it's a athlete, actor, whatever, is they have a certain way how to make decisions. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you, like, even just because like back in the day, I had this, this platform of being a professional athlete, you know, I might have made decisions, good decisions on the field, but off the field, I did not. And it finally took me a while to kind of figure out like, man, if I'm making these, what system can I make? Mm -hmm. I can take from the field when I'm making good decisions and I can apply that to my life off of it. And it, it took me a while to, you know, to figure that out, but I want to hear like, how do you make, or how do you help your clients make decisions, uh, uh, the best decisions for them? So it really ties back to two things we've been talking about kind of this whole conversation. One is really knowing yourself. And then two is really knowing what matters to you. And when you, when you are clear on what your prior, well, I'll say this, when you're clear on what your top priority is, and then the priority order of the rest of the things in your life, decision-making gets real easy because you can ask yourself, what would I do if this is my top priority? You know, how do I decide between X and Y if I know that I'm trying to achieve this? Suddenly things get clearer, um, conflicts become less. Um, and we really can look at, and oftentimes it's a matter of looking at, you say your top priority is one thing, but your actions are telling me something different. How are we gonna reconcile that? Cause you got two choices there. You can claim what, what your actions are telling me your top priority is, or if you want to keep claiming this other thing as your top priority, you can change your actions to match. And it's choice. 
but continuing to say one thing and do another or claim one thing and live another is that is like, I'm non-scientifically the number one source of unhappiness. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and what do you think about those, you know, folks who like, you know, they've, um, you know, they've held a position for decades. They've told that they're the best, the brightest, the prettiest, whatever, you know, so they start to send, you know, feel this, this sense of entitlement. How do you break through or do you even take on those people? And, and you know, even if you don't, like what type of advice would you give them? I mean, I held think the it's position possible they, I might have been one of those people, um, you know, at a certain, in a certain, like, and I'll be really honest, like in a yeah. certain way, like I, I really excelled academically. And so I thought I had this like academic untouchability, um, especially as I went into the workforce. And I think, um, what I learned is that it's virtually impossible to stay the best at anything forever. <laughs> that it really- I, 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 Man, my, my hand is way up, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but that it really like that the, I mean, there's a part of me that wants to say that the notion that you are the best is actually just creating a continuous need to do more. And that can be a good thing if you're pointing it in a direction of something that is meaningful to you but it can be a really discouraging thing if it becomes a measure of your value as an individual. Mm. Like if you decide that you're only worthy and when you're the best, that can be, I think, really um, detrimental to being able to show up in your full self and contribute your gifts to the world. Mm. That's good. That's good. Becky, how can my clients get more of you? How can, or I'm saying my clients, ma'am. Your listeners, my, your clients, whoever, I'll take your clients outside. Right? <laughs> how can my listeners get, get more of you? Can you, um, can you, you know, kind of give out the deets? How yeah, they I mean, you? it is like one-stop shopping. I've tried to make it easy. The easiest place to find me is at my website and that is untanglehappiness.com. And you can find all kinds of information there, including information about my book, which is called The Happiness Recipe, A Powerful Guide to Living What Matters, um, information about the one-on-one -on -one coaching that I do, and information about group programs that I've got coming in the fall. Oh, I love that. And talk a little bit about your book. Who, who, who is that for? Uh, people. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm messing with you. No, honestly, my book is for people who are looking for really practical, um, grounded tools to help them figure out exactly the kinds of stuff that we've been talking about today, to help them figure out how to connect with what matters most to them, and then how to get out of their own way in living a life where they're doing more of that and less of the rest. But it is like really tool-based, really practical. It's perfect for somebody who is... Um, in that transition space that you and I both described of like, oh, I've realized that this isn't it for me, but I need to figure out what's next. That would be an ideal resource for you. But it's also designed to be a, a part of your ongoing toolbox kind of forever. That was my goal was to empower people with the tools or some of the tools that they need or could use as they're navigating life, life's transitions. Mm, that's what it's about transitions. And we all go through it. We love to be able to stay on one road and that road be perfectly straight and whatnot. But there's a lot of times where 
you know, we need some assistance. You know, road gets bumpy. We're trying to the road you know, gets bumpy, but let, let's be real. If we were on a straight road for 80 years, that would get pretty boring too. So there's a reason. Say, yeah. There's a reason for the twists and turns. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So so is your programs, you know, it's gonna be coming up in the fall is that just like a deeper dive into what you'll be teaching them in in, uh, with the book yeah it is so it's a deeper dive into um that kind of toolbox stuff along with um some group coaching so some additional support from from me uh, and then some outside expert help because what i found in my own journey to navigate all of this is that you often need information from a variety of sources and a variety of different modalities to figure out how to navigate your life and to navigate happiness and to navigate transitions. And there's no one person in one way that's going to work for everybody. So I wanted to try and make kind of like a clubhouse um, for happiness seekers. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) I love it. Well, Becky, um, are you on LinkedIn? I am. And all the social, all the social links are on my website. That's probably the easiest, easiest way to do it, but I'm, I'm, on LinkedIn and I'm on Instagram. I am not on Twitter. And uh, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. I mean, Twitter, man, they tripping. <laughs> it's Twitter's like a lot. I don't know. Like my, my husband, who's a basketball coach, is all over Twitter. You can go check that uh, out, but I'm not there. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. Well, thank you so much for being my guest. I, I, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, hearing more about you. And I would definitely love to have you bless us again on the shark effect anytime you just name name it i would love to come back and chat anytime thanks for listening to this week's episode of the shark effect podcast if you enjoyed what you heard today please share it with a friend and if you haven't already subscribe rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for Higher Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is intentionally created for it's for those who are looking to transition, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever. If you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making that can help you with influencing others and how are you influenced i have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment alignment and adjustment Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter developing your own procedures creating relationship roadmaps using adversity to your advantage right because we all go through tough times but how do you flip it how do you use it to power you okay and then developing your own standards so these are things that can help anybody not just not just athletes now there's some stories in there you know that covers topics that that resonate with athletes but i think overall this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming 
successful in something new, something different. Okay? So make sure, check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.